Hey there, welcome to the Literary Escapes podcast. I'm Becky, and I'm glad you're here today. If you're a fan of books that give you an escape or let you explore other cultures, then you're definitely in the right place. So I'm glad you've joined us today. Stick around. We've got a great author interview for you. So let's jump right in. I am so excited to have Meg Tilly with us and welcome Meg. Uh, Thank you. Thanks so much. I'm really happy to be here. So I've got a lot of questions here, so I'm going to go ahead and jump in. So you started acting fairly young, right? Well, it depends what you consider acting. So yes, I was acting. I I mean, I started acting as a kid, <laughs> but not in the acting world, you know, but okay. I think we all learn that there's certain things you say and there's certain things you don't and you present a certain way and then your home life like, might be different. So I was acting pretty much all my life, became very good at being what I thought was expected, you know, read books or see things. So, um, but then um, it wasn't until I danced in the movie Fame yeah. way back in the like seven, 1979 or something. I don't know when it came out, maybe around then 79, 80 or something. Right like around that. that time, yeah. Yeah, that I realized that, oh, people, people get paid for pretending mm-hmm. to be other people. So when I was dropped as a ballet dancer and had to quit, I was like, what do I do? I'm, you know, I have dyslexia, so I reverse numbers. So I can't work in a bank. You know, I was trying to think of things I could do and I hadn't gone to university because I'd just done the ballet. And then I thought, right. well, those actor people, I know I could do that. So that's how I got into acting. And my sister was acting at that time. So okay. I left New York when, um, and I had gone home for six months. And then I went to, um, I went to uh, LA and six so, months later, I got my first lead. So when you did fame, that was to be the dancer, to be a dancer in it? I was one of the dancers. Okay. And who okay. we thought we were fancy. I realized okay. now we were background action. I mean, we rehearsed for three months and we learned dances and little things. And I did, you know, uh, Louis Falco, who's um, passed away, but he, he did, he did stuff, you know, little things and set us up and did things and we rehearsed to, I remember we rehearsed to hot lunch, baby, this evening, or something like hot lunch, baby, you know, that one. Yeah, so we rehearsed, and that was the one who, oh, no, no, that was in the movie. Wait, it was a, oh, forget it. I'm getting all mixed up. But we learned all these certain um, dances and stuff, and then we shot. And um, I remember some of the dancers decided um, right before, they had danced, some of the kids had danced in The Wiz, and they decided right before, this isn't fair. We're just being paid extras, but we're specialists because we've had to rehearse for three months and we've had to. And so they decided to go on strike. And I was like, go on strike. But are you kidding? Because there have been like 6,000, 5,000, 6,000 people auditioned for these 56 places. And it's like, and they're like, no, we've got the power. We've rehearsed for three months and they're going to start shooting and there's no way they can say no. And I was like, is that dog? Yeah, that's the, <laughs> I was so scared. Like, but they give us, like, they would come when we would be um, doing. And so, so I was just like, but how could we, but they did, they all organized and they voted and um, they did. And we got paid more money. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, how funny. Holy cow. Cause they're like, do you know, they have, yeah, if somebody has one life. So we got paid as like specialty thing. It's okay. Kind of just plain basic. Just extras. Yeah. I don't know how we got onto this subject. I just remember that just now. 
But I remember it was like, oh, I thought it was so fancy. When we were doing the lunchroom scene. I found a place that was, cause we were in a thing and they had some lockers. And so I'd go climb up and lie on the lockers on the top of the lockers thing so that I could have some space to myself. Yeah. And I remember it was fancy because they gave us, they'd come in and they'd dump a big pile of McDonald's cheeseburgers on the table. <laughs> the good stuff. And you could eat them. So, so it was, you know, it was a pretty that's good so life. And, and I could believe that, you know, we got paid this money. And you got paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I, that's how I, like after that, when I fractured my back and couldn't dance anymore, then that's how I decided, oh, I can do that acting gig and they'll give me like Maybe hamburgers. <laughs> Very cool. So some of the movies, I just wrote down some of them. You So you mentioned Fame, uh, The Big Chill, which is where I was introduced to you, Psycho 2, Agnes of God, Masquerade, The Body Snatchers. How fun. I mean, what a, yeah. what a cool career. You know, yeah, it was, it's fun. Like when I look back on it, I'm yeah. really surprised. Like, oh my, this was, this was me like little scruffly Meg and you know I've traveled the world and not the whole world but a lot of places in it yeah. you know and and I'm just uh, amazed I'm just amazed I'm I'm just flabbergasted and and the fact that I've met all those people and done all these things when I look back I'm pretty cool I, life huh I, yeah, I've, I've just had been blessed with such an interesting life. And some of the interesting stuff at the time, I was like, I prefer not to have so much interest, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's all made me me. It's, it's affected my writing. It's affected my acting. It's affected my, my uh, ability for compassion and empathy because, yeah. you know, uh, there's the, the, you know, I've, I've lived a lot of lives in one life. So, so what a exactly. blessing. Yeah, that's so cool. It, any favorites on like who you've worked with or movies that you've been part of or any of that? Or is that a fair question to ask? <laughs> you know, I have I have different. Um, I have different reasons for loving different movies. Like there's some movies that I've done that I love, <laughs> even though the movies were a hot mess, like they didn't turn out well and the editing and they like ruined it. But but I learned something about myself and I, I became a a more more I slipped into another part of me that I didn't know I had through my character so there's some that are like that and then there's some that were just so um you know like maybe you know like on, on one I fell madly in love for the first time in my life so that movie Valma was not successful but it holds a very warm part in my heart because I you know I, this relationship that's now we weren't together but we had a son and we've, uh, you know, it's, uh, oh my gosh, it's 33 years later, almost 34, and we're still very good friends, do you know? Awesome. So it's like, that was a gift to me. The movie sure. dive bombed because the Dangerous Liaisons came out the year before, or um, then there might be one where something really bad happened on it. But um, out of that, came a change in my life or came uh, you know my my um you know just uh mm. I think I think they sing so you know like working with Jack Nicholson he's the best actor in the world so that we oh. had such a thing that we could just I could just think a thought and he would pick up on it and all of a sudden it would be like we would be soaring the scene in a different way and that was 
such an experience. The movie didn't do well. I, I, I heard it wasn't, you know, very good, <laughs> but I loved the work I did in it. I loved working exactly. with Jack and, and the interesting stories that came out of working with him, you know, and, you know, and then you borrow a little bit from people you know or have worked with. I got to meet a wide variety of people. Did, and so then yeah. you borrow a little bit of these people and yeah. they might show up they, as, a, like as a just bit. an accent in one of your characters. So you were in Hollywood for about 15 years before you gave it up for a while? Yeah, yeah, oh, around that. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yes, I, I was... Um, yeah, and so that's why I don't have like a grand, like whole bunch of movies. I've done a few and then I stopped. And yeah. then I did a little tiny bit. I went after I turned 50, I did the Bomb Girls show and that was really fun. And I, I did, um, you know, so that was, that was a good time. So why did you leave Hollywood? I left Hollywood because, well, a variety of reasons. First of all, I loved acting. I loved that I was able to make a, a large amount of money for someone of my age, I wouldn't have gotten that opportunity and I could save it and stay home and be with my, I see such some familiar faces. <laughs> and anyway, I just got distracted and that I could do that. And then I could be a full-time mom for the other part of the time, because I really wanted to give my kids a, a good and safe childhood. So um, that's, that worked out well, but I did not, I did not, being famous really scared me when you're when you're young, um, you know, and, and when you come from challenge, your ability to stay safe is, is with your ability to hide. And so, and then it, you know, continues on, it doesn't just stop at childhood, it'll continue on in adulthood. And so you have to find ways to make yourself invisible as a young woman, and especially, you know, you could just, and so I thought I was pretty good at it. I was good at it in life. And I could, just make myself small and make myself disappear. But once I was famous, it didn't matter how small I made myself, how much I tucked in or what, it, I didn't realize that my face would be the same face that's up there on the screen, you know, yeah. 30, 30, whatever, however big it is. I didn't realize and people until it hit me. That. It felt yeah. like actually after Psycho 2 and somebody recognized me in the grocery store and it freaked me out. So. It was a push me, pull you. I was grateful for the opportunity. I was grateful for the, to be able to create. I was grateful to be able to spend time with my children and be able to, because everybody at work has challenges, yeah. but I didn't like the uh, predatory nature of many of the people in the movie business Yeah, and how you were forced in situations with people where you still had to go to work and somehow, because very, 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 very tender, like egos like you know it's like yeah. if you think of like a toothache and it's like a pulsing throbbing hole or nerve people were like that so you had to be very very diplomatic but also okay, very wily to, and in the beginning I, I it was hard to you know find my escape route so complicated yeah complicated yeah. being in the movie so there was that but there was also then my children um were at school um, in school and I'd take them out and bring them with me on sets. And then when I, um, when they got a certain age, then it shifted because their friends became friends with someone else for three months. For me, right. it's like three months shooting a movie for them. It's so half a lifetime. Yeah. So those, those it's a combination of all those reasons why yeah. I stopped. It, yeah. It's hard when you're out to dinner with your kids and people will 
like elbow them aside to get to you. They don't, it's not because they're mean. It's because yeah. they're excited. Like I know exactly. I've been excited to see certain people too. And I don't notice for sometimes, you know, the, well, I, I do because I'm, yeah, but you know, yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, you don't think about all the, you know, things for the kids. So yeah, yeah, that, that had to have been a hard, hard part of it all, I would think. And to have children growing up with feeling of eyes on them as well, just because of their association, it's very challenging. Yeah. I know um, when I, I was working and then left when I had kids and the whole identity piece of not working yes was a challenge yeah and yeah and I I don't imagine that it matters what your work is it, you probably still felt some of that that yes so did you, so what were you doing before Becky I was in sales and right. um you know it was very much a man's world that I was in and um I was happy to not be in that world anymore, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it felt really weird to not be working. And I yeah. loved being able to stay home with my kids. That yeah. was a gift. Yeah. But it felt weird to not work. <laughs> and, yeah. And to have yeah. the salary, like I'm earning this salary coming exactly. in, but not yeah. just that. Did you find, like I found, I don't know if any of the rest of you have had a similar circumstance, but I found that when I decided to stop acting, it was almost like I had like well, like a sexually transmitted disease or something or, or uh, airborne disease, maybe let's make that even more. Yeah. Not that any of us have experienced that, but it was almost like um, people were like, oh, like they might catch it. So it was very lonely because I had lots of people who were sort of friends, like, but you'd meet up yeah. or you'd talk about what you're doing or something, but it was like, you know, Mm-hmm. and there it was part of the world or you're not and you're in the world or you're not and yeah. it was lonely and I was like but 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 we're friends <laughs> yeah I think we're friends yeah yeah you know but it's it's different it's a very transient life anyway mm-hmm. so it, yeah and your identity so that used to be if you had to go because then when I'd gotten uh remarried he was in the business so you would go but it used to be if you would come into a Hollywood party, eyes would go on because that's the way it is. Like, oh, who's famous? Who's here? Right, right. People would come over and talk to you. But when you're a housewife and you yeah. haven't worked, people sometimes don't realize, well, yeah, you haven't worked because you've chosen not to. But if you were interesting before and you were, then you should be interesting now. Thank you. Know? Yeah. yeah. But it's sort of like, oh, so what are you doing now? And you say, <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm raising my kids. And you'd see the eyes kind of glaze over and they'd be like, oh, and nice. And as you're making this, like, yeah, to. they're looking over your shoulder <laughs> yeah. for who else they can talk to who might help advance the career or exactly. get them a job or, yeah. So it's yeah. lonely. It's, it's a weird world to be part of, I would think. That's, uh, that's kind of crazy. So, yeah. Um, one of my favorite parts of this job is finding out like how, women became an author and what their path was to do that and it's funny because you know we've had 20 different authors on here that we've talked to over the past year and so many different paths I don't know that anybody has had the same one I don't know that anybody's come from acting into (laughs) into being an author so I'm curious how did you go from being an actress into 
being an author. So um, a couple of my tea timers will know this already, but so what happened is um, I never thought of myself as a writer because I was, um, I have a bit of dyslexia, which I didn't know until my children got diagnosed. So I've never been a good speller or when I have to pronounce people's names, um, it's hard because I never could figure out the sounding out thing. And I also sometimes will reverse, um, like reverse part of the uh, like chunks, like either letters or sometimes it'll be a syllable. So, um, so I never thought I would be a writer. I always thought that I was not very bright actually. Um, but I found out that I am, I just have a different kind of bright, like I'm really good with um, investing and handling my money and, you know, things like that, which I never thought I could learn to do, but I taught myself that, yeah. how to do it, right? And if you think, oh, well, because of the sequencing, I couldn't memorize the times tables, but I have a calculator and you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. all of a sudden I understand the concepts of what I need to do or what, you know what I mean? Like I have that practical thing. Yeah, so I never thought I'd be a writer. And what happened is the first time somebody said that I was a writer was my acting teacher, Peggy Fury. And I was in a um, acting class and I was sitting up in the at the loft studio and there was some two people doing a scene down below. So it was kind of dark in the in the studio and Peggy was sitting, she sits on the side. She, she passed away, I love her. She gave me my life really in, in who I was. And she would always sit along with her back against the wall of the studio in this little corner. And she had, a, oh, what is it when you fall asleep? Narcolepsy? Yeah. Yeah. So she would always go and she would be watching the scene. She'd watch a little and then she'd rummage in her purse and she would rummage in her purse. And then pretty soon that was her way, like she could get her head down a little bit. And then pretty soon her hands would slow and her head would go down and she would be asleep, but, or half asleep. But then when the scene was over, she'd get up and she, and so maybe she was a sleeper, maybe she was just half on. And then she'd say, this is where you went wrong. And she would walk into the, onto the stage area and we were like in uh, bleachers and she would do like here and do the, all oh, right go and do it. And she'd give them advice on how to, and then they would do it. And it'd be like, oh my gosh, you know? Yeah, so anyway, she was, she was doing it. She was, or sometimes she would walk out or sometimes she would just sit there and she'd say, oh, when you did, uh, when you went over to the table there, did you feel that? Why did you, you went out, you know, or whatever she did. So she was starting to do that. And then all of a sudden she stopped and she turned around and she looked in the direction where I was. And she said, uh, excuse me, excuse me, she said to the other people, before I forget, and she turned around and she said, you, you're a writer, and I was like, somebody's a writer in this group of people, I was like, wow, and so I'm looking around to see, you know, who this fancy writer person is, who probably <laughs> is a really good speller, and is very intellectual, and has most likely gone to university, because, you know, in our acting classes, some people would be lawyers who were like, I want to do something different, there would be like people from all different walks of life, and who have done all sorts of interesting things, and, and, and she goes, Meg, you, I'm talking to you, wow. like, me? <laughs> you know, and I, I thought, and I was like, <laughs> and she goes, you, you're a writer. And it's important for me to tell you before I forget. Wow. And then she turned around and then she went back to her thing. And I'm sitting there like, 
my face is red. It's kind of dim where I am. And I'm just thinking, oh dear, like, you know, Peggy made a mistake. Like she, <laughs> she thinks I'm a writer. And then I got really scared, even though at this time I'd already done a bunch of movies. You know, I was already a really like well respected. Big Chill was out. I, I can't remember if this was, you know, I'd done like a lot of things. And I thought if she's, she's obviously wrong about the writer bit. So does that mean that she's also wrong about the acting bit? Because she was like my Dumbo's feather where she, she said I was good. She plucked me out of a play where I only had eight lines to, to come and study with her when she had a, a two year waiting list. So I was like, oh no. Yeah. What if she's, so that means she might be wrong about everything. And then, um, I didn't really think about it, but I felt really embarrassed. Like I felt like I should say, no, you've made a mistake. That's for the smart people, not me. Um, but I never copped up to it because I was too embarrassed to tell her you made a mistake. I'm not a writer. Like you have no idea how unwriterly I am. I don't even write letters because I misspell words so much. And then she passed away a while later. And, um, and it was a little bit after that that I, I started writing, but I didn't even know I was writing. I just was putting down memories because my kids had gotten to the age that I was when my mom married my stepdad and bad things started happening. So I just, I just felt like when I'd see them, I'd see myself. And all of a sudden I had all these questions like, what, like, why? So I started uh, writing down memories and, and um, I still wasn't a writer. That was my first book. And I didn't feel like I was a writer until I've been asked to be keynote speaker at, um, what was it? Um, oh, I can't remember, but it's a, a reading thing in, right. in Toronto, in Ontario. And it's a, it's a wonderful, like big uh, conference thing that they do love uh, about love of reading or something like that, something okay. like that. And I was asked to be keynote speaker and I've done wow. lots of talks and stuff like that. And I was talking and I was talking about my path of this and that. And it was my fifth, I think it was my fifth published book, like um, traditionally published book. And, um, and all of a sudden I realized, like right in the middle of that talk, I realized, love of reading, I think it's called. I realized, oh my gosh, I am a writer. Like I'm a writer. I didn't go to university, I didn't do any, but my books are getting nominated for things. And you know what I mean? And, yeah, and, and you're speaking as a writer, not as an actor. Yeah. And I've done, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, Ooh. and I got, I felt kind of emotional because I realized I am, you know, and I've done five more books since then. And I do feel like I'm a writer. Um, you know, who knows how many I end up doing, but I've, yeah, I've had 10 books published. It's like that's, amazing. That's awesome. It's, it's a shame that your, your uh, t mentor wasn't able to see that. That's I know, but you know what? Okay, so I don't know. I just feel like uh, sometimes when people pass away, I feel like they've passed away so that they're there, but I feel them, I feel them with me sometimes. Like sometimes I would still, for a while, she'd still come to me in my, in my dreams, you know, and give me advice and stuff like that. And so, um, and then, and then there was, I had one dream where uh, something happened and and then I knew I wouldn't see her again and I woke up with my face wet um but she's still with me I think the thing is she's still with me because she's a part of me like people who we love who have passed yeah. they've changed she's changed the way I walk in the world in her 
insisting on truth for the characters I played. I learned to insist on truth for my own self, my own life. And when something happens, then I'd be like, oh, oh, what's the bigger lie that this little lie is covered? So it's given, she, I can feel down where it's like, oh, this feels wrong or this, I, I always had a, but now I, I have learned so well where things are that it's, she's just given me so much and, and I'm forever grateful. And I do feel like um, in one way that a person continues to live on is if in some way you can take a little bit of what she's given you and you've learned and just pass it on, whether people pick it up and be like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to put that in my little basket of tools or they don't, that that's okay. But you just take maybe her generosity and carry it forward. Yeah. So like in a that. way she still does live through everybody that she touched, I believe. And I'm, and I'm sure she touches your books also. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would pretty. never have written. I mean, exactly. well, no, I didn't yeah. start writing because of her, but it was very prophetic. And I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, she, you know, she, we didn't know that she was sick, uh, but she did. And I think that she, um, like another time, you know, she turned around and, 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 and said something really amazing to me. And, um, um, and I didn't know, but she was, you know, so. How um, nice of her to share these things, knowing that you needed to hear it and that her time was limited. So yeah, yeah, that was uh, gracious of her. So what was your first books um, genre wise? It was, um, it was fiction, but it was, it was really my memories because I wasn't actually a writer then. So I just wrote down memories and then those okay. memories connected to other memories. And pretty soon I had written a, a book about my childhood um, okay. as I remember it you know, everybody will have different memories, but yeah. what I remember, and but I sold it as fiction because at that point I was very famous. I was Meg Tilly, you know, like now I'm, yeah. I'm Meg, but I, you know, I, I'm always, I guess, Meg Tilly, but I was Meg Tilly, you know, where people yeah. would take me into the bathroom and, um, you know, or, or, you know, lots of, so I, I wasn't prepared to say that this was, this was your life. Yeah. Was it cathartic to write? It was terrifying to write, yeah. but it was like, I felt like I didn't have a choice not to write it. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was terrifying and it was a relief, you know, and I had small children. So I had, um, I was, um, you know, I had a brand new baby to deal with and a, a relationship that was breaking apart and my other two children. And so it was, uh, I just wrote it in snatches, little graph, yeah. little bit after the children went to bed. Or if I took one to uh, like a Taekwondo class, I would go down and write for 45 minutes. I was just grabbing and it was my conversation at night. I never expected to publish. I never expected to, I never expected to be a writer. I mean, I mean, looking back now, like at that point, I never would have looked and said, oh my gosh, you've yeah. done like 10 books. I know some people do lots, but it takes me a long time to write a book. And um, even longer when I was doing, you know, that, that kind of heavy person. Like, oh. Yeah. The ones now, they just take me around a, a year and a half to write the, okay. you know, the romantic suspense, but it's really fun. Cause I, yeah. I know like a boogeyman is not going to jump out and grab me, 
and drag me under. Whereas the first couple books I wrote, you know, it was, uh, you know. It had to have been hard just being in that place again. I mean, that's, yeah, man. So at what point or why did you switch from that over to the romantic suspense? Well, it was kind of like a sideways slide. So okay. I've read, I, because of challenge and the world being so scary and having three children, I discovered um, romance when I was, you know, when my kids were pretty young. Yeah. And so I would read the stuff that you're supposed to, you know, I worked my way through all the classics, you know, I, I, I just went and I, okay, now which one, now which one, now which one, you know what, we were voracious readers because we didn't have TV. And so, um, and then, and then when I was, you know, an actor, well, goodness, you know, everybody's always talking about, so you were always reading whatever the books were that were winning the prizes and all of that stuff, but it was so, like, so much of it was so bleak, and so, even though that's what I wrote in the beginning, but it was so, like, that your heart just hurt. And then you'd look at your yeah. kids and you'd think like, I'm bringing you into this world where people are just, you know. So then I, um, <clears throat> when I found, I think it was the Jane Ann Chris, but it was her as Amanda Quick. I think it was her right. book Distress, or I think that might've been one of my first ones. And I read that and I was like, ah, this is Other fun. And it, yeah, it's a roller coaster ride, but it's it's a gentle roller coaster ride. There's a few dead bodies, but but you have this sort of like what's gonna happen, and you know it's gonna be happy at the end. Although I didn't, but it was, and I was really like, oh my gosh, you mean the person doesn't throw themselves on the tracks and to get the train run over at the end? You know, so it was like uh it was like a revelation. So then I read. I continued to read the ones that you're supposed to read, but then I had to get like a whole bunch of the others. So I get a big old stack of like my, you know, and I, I, I liked, especially at that point, historical, but I read everything. I read all the Jane. I have my authors. I had my Nora Roberts. I had my, yeah. and I'd get them. And then I'd put the, and then, um, oh gosh, there was a million of those, a Kit or Kat Martin, somebody else who, there was a whole bunch of them and Pamela Morrissey and I'd have them and I'd stack them. So I'd put the, like, you know, the intellectual ones on top <laughs> and I'd do the things, you know. I and then when I read, I read them, you know, I'd always make sure that I had the, my book covers down because they always had these bodice things where I was like, oh, why are the book covers so embarrassing? Like now they've started doing book covers that look, you know, more like, you know, they could be anything. So anyway, yeah. so I read those and I read that, you know, and then all through, like, you know, then I started getting really interested in finance and handling my own stuff because I'd always handed that power to other people. So then it would be like a whole bunch of, you know, finance or investing or just so I could understand all of it. And then romances. So it was like, really? <laughs> so sometimes people think, oh, people who read romance, oh, but that's just not true because it's like you're choosing, okay, I want to know that when I finish this, that I'm going to, but some isn't satisfying as some are. So you want to be yeah. careful about who you choose because some's just not good at all. Some is just written to just write something. And so you'll find your authors that are touch that sweet spot for you. And Agreed. So how did you meet? Um, oh, how did I get into writing it? Oh. <laughs> oh yeah this is what happens when you talk with me <laughs> so, so what happened is my beloved friend his brother had died and um we said come stay with us 
because he was grieving mightily. So he hopped on a plane and came to stay with us. And he's, um, he's around 20 years older than me. And, um, and he was so sad. I'd never seen him uh, so, of course, because his, his beloved brother died. Yeah. Um, so the only time he kind of sort of cheered up was for the last two years, he had done a book a grant of immunity that he had published on Amazon and as, as somebody else, but he had done it and he had been trying to get me because I have a ton of manuscripts that I've never published. So he was trying to get me to do it. And I'm like, um, yeah, no, I, well, uh, maybe I will someday, but I planned on never doing it because I was traditionally published and I didn't want to go, you know, into that realm because, you know, it's really hard to get the publishers to take you seriously. And I had a nice, you know, but then when he was there at our house, the only time he um, kind of brightened up was when he was trying to talk me into doing it. And I was lying in bed that night and I was really worried. I was worried that, you know, maybe he was so heartbroken he would pass away too. And I thought I've got to give him something that's gonna make him want to live. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like the next morning I said, I've decided I'm going to do a book. I'm going to put a book. And he's like, oh, he goes, which one? Because he knows a lot of my manuscripts because we're in writing group together. And I'm like, no, no, because I'm thinking I don't want to do it under Meg Tilly because then I'll lose my traditional publishing creds and whatever. So I'm like, no, I'm going to write something new. I'm going to write something all new. I'm going to write, I'm going to write a romantic suspense, like the kinds I like to read. And he's like all excited. And I'm like, well, because I had never given myself permission to do that. But because yeah. I was writing under a different name, because over the years, I tried to write it because I thought that was like, I wanted to write what I like to read. Yeah. Everybody always says that, but I couldn't. It always turned bleak and dark. But when I was writing is I got a moniker, Sarah Flynn. And when I was Sarah Flynn, I could write romantic suspense. <laughs> and so I, <laughs> da, 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 and I wrote, that was the fastest book I've ever, I've ever written because it was wow. just fun because I didn't have all of this weight of who Meg Tilly was and the things that I needed to say, I was Sarah Flynn. And it was just like a wee spree. And then um, I put that out and he cheered up and he's like, okay, so this is what you have to do. And somebody's like, okay, now, and it was a lot because I'm not good in computer type things or technical. And I had to learn how to format it. And I had to read through things and how to get it online and how to get ISBN numbers and how to level it here and there. And it was so much, oh my gosh, it was so much, but I did it. For my friend and it was such a gift for me uh -huh. because then Berkeley um my um uh, my editors uh uh came, came on board and they gave me a three book deal and I wrote the solace series you uh -huh. know and then they did another and I wrote the runaway heiress and so and they didn't do it under Sarah Flynn no they did it as my telling <laughs> well you know what Jane Ann Krentz had um she had given me a little bit of advice because like, oh, I'm like, okay, that was the best part. I got to meet some of my writing heroes and yeah. most of them were like, and Jane is like, she's like, oh my gosh, she's like the most lovely person you'll ever meet in your life. She's so generous and she's so, so she said, don't do it. She said, I have Jane Ann Krentz, Amanda Quick and Jane Castle. And she said, and it's, a nightmare with all the social media stuff you have yeah. to do want one name I would recommend you do so I was like if Jane Ann Krentz gives me advice I'm gonna take I'm it, gonna take <laughs> it. <laughs> so, so that's
that's where it went from Sarah Flynn. The first one came out of Sarah Flynn, then we redid it. We did another sweep through and edit with my editors, and then it was Meg Tilly. Was, was that Solace Island then? Solace Island. Okay. Solace Island, then Cliff's Edge, and then Hidden Cove. Okay. And, um, yeah. yeah, and then uh, The Runaway Heiress. And so we did the, um, so yeah, I did them all with Meg Tilly, and it was really, it was really fun. I really liked it. So that's cool. Yeah. So, so my, I did it as a gift to my friend and it was a gift to me. And I got to meet so many of my like writing heroes. And cool. I would say, I would say 80% of them are like so nice. Cause I think the romance brings that to people. And, and then yeah. 20%, you know, they write good books, but they aren't, you don't want to have tea with them. <laughs> maybe not even 20, there maybe you go. 15. Yeah. <laughs> so on the runaway heiress, how much of that did you pull from your Hollywood experience? Um, okay, so like there's the party scene where, you know, where I haven't I haven't been to a party like that. Okay. But I've worked with people who have had parties like that. And um, and then there's certain things where you would hear about and you'd be like, oh my gosh, they did that. You know, and then, you know, the guy's like, what are you doing? And threw them out of the party with, you know, with this thing flopping out. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, so there's, you you hear all the stuff, but I was pretty, I was a mother. So I had children, I would do my work and I would go home. I didn't do all of that, but okay. it definitely, definitely, definitely did exist. So I just, I pulled a bit of that. I started off um, my, the Mick character, I, she had several characters before I settled on Mick um, and it was in several different places until she landed there because I write and I rewrite. But I, I, I did base him on a person that I knew. And so a, a little bit of the background and, and, a, and the swag and the, the hurt little boy underneath. Okay. Um, but then once he became Mick, I had to tone down some things and, I, and then he just took off on his own. But I, I lots of times use, and I also did um, use the, the guy, Philip, I think. I, I, I forget the names of my characters, guys. <laughs> but anyway, you know, the uh, lawyer guy, I, I oh, based Phillip, him on- I think it was. Yeah, Philip, that's what I, I thought it was. I said Philip, but I said it like Philip in case it wasn't right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you'd hear kind of like a name and you just put the right one in but it was the right name. So I, I based him on someone I knew as well. And then he took off. So you base people on all my you. females are partly based on a part of me or some of me, um, but you base it on and then, and then they take off and they take their own personality. So it's sort of like um, acting when you take a, a bit of yourself that knows a little bit of that person's uh, life or a little bit of that person's. And then you think, and then, and then you just kind of work it until it just inhabits you all and becomes a whole body. So yeah, you do that every character, every character yeah. you write is you take a little bit of someone, you know, or somebody you, you know, like uh, Kevin, the ex-husband, Yeah. you know, um, take a little bit of, you know, people. And it's really fun because you can knock off people who have done you wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you can just change the name just a little bit I know Janice is like yeah. <laughs> but or you know you can put a name you can use somebody's name 
who, you know, just as like, it's childish. Yes, I know it's childish, but you can use, you know, the first name or, you know, just change the initial on the first name and the last name. And then you could be like, oh, this dickhead, you know, so it's, it's, it's yeah, really I, satisfying. That's so funny. I was talking to um, an author the other day who writes medical murder mysteries. Yeah. And she said the same thing. She said, it's so satisfying to kill off these people that I really didn't enjoy working with. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it doesn't harm anybody, right? Exactly. It's like, exactly. It's like you just, you take your create, creative juices from whichever way they come. Yeah. Yeah. So when you write, do you start with like an outline or does it just kind of go? Um, I, I write like, okay, so I can have a kind of an idea, but the outline thing, I've tried it. I write an outline. I'm like, okay, this is going to be, um, I, I can do quite extensive ones. Sometimes I've done, I've tried where I've had maybe 50 pages of, okay, this person connects and this person and this person, and you do it and then you go and then it just takes a different turn. So that's, that's yeah. unfortunately the way my one goes is I'm more, so I think I have to do way more drafts than other authors because there are, I know authors who write great books who are like, this is what it's going to be. And they will do what I did, but they actually follow it. Stick to it. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas my, I'm like, I'm trying to, but then also it's like, it doesn't feel right in my gut. Like, no, this, this, because until you know who the people are and have spent some time, yeah. how, how can I know then how they're going to respond in a certain yeah. So you can have something that you're like, okay, this is going to happen and it happens. And the person responds in a totally different way than you expect, which happens in life all the time. Like exactly. you think you're having a reasonable conversation with your husband and you're just bringing, and then he's like, what? You're like, what? So it's, that's the way life is. And that's the way it is when I'm writing as well. My, um, what was your question? Uh, okay <laughs> I like that characters kind of take on a life of their own and they really do and they steer the story they I, do I and you try to cool. steer them back when I try to then it's like and when I try to impose something on the story then that's when I get in trouble and that's when I'll write a manuscript where maybe it wasn't one that I because I keep on trying to and and it's it's just uncomfortable yeah yeah so you, you had mentioned earlier that you've done a lot of traveling in your life. Where have been some of your favorite places that you've been to? Well, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's sort of wrapped up because I know this is a travel book club. It's sort of wrapped up though in, in memories, right? So, so of course I'm going to have like, um, <clears throat> and memories, sometimes the memories are not, not good memories, some of them, but there are like, I, rem I, I like, I don't know why I just flashed to uh, Texas. My ex, who was my husband at the time, was doing a job there. And I had a lot of time to myself. And I just remember driving and the beauty of the flat land and the changing, the topography would change, but not, but it was subtle and the color of the dirt and um, the sparseness of it. And I just, I just remember being able to drive and that sense of freedom for everything was far away to just have the quiet of the interior of the car to myself, yeah. the four children and my ex who it was a very challenging relationship 
this sense of, and the wind and the windows open and the smell of the different smell of the air and uh, just that moment of freedom. Now, I don't know why I thought of that, but, and the heat and the dust, I just felt like when I was, when I would drive and people would go by and they'd be driving and they'd be reading a book. I remember seeing this guy reading a paperback book as he drove because it's just oh like God. a great road. It's right? a long road. Nobody's on it. Usually. And he passed me, you know, and so it's <laughs> like, so, so that's like a, but I don't know why I thought of that. Cause it's not, it wasn't a happy time. It wasn't a, yeah. but I just remember. And then I think probably cause when you'd go to a steakhouse, cause the, the steak would cover the entire plate. And I'd never seen that in my life. So maybe yeah. it was the child in me that was always hungry. That's like, they give you a steak that covers the plate. So, and I don't know if they do that now because that was a long time ago, but I, but I've also flashed to being in Paris and shooting Valmont and, um, and just the being in love and being in Provence. And so we had little places throughout France where we, where we um, shot. And I just remember I would go to the local, what I love there is, which was so different to me with my North American upbringing is you go to just like it's a little town, like if in your Provence and you, I would walk there and, and you'd go to get your fresh bread at the bakery and you'd go at the, you know, and then you'd go and you'd say, okay, and you'd look in the butcher shop or you'd look in the fish shop, which was, they were all in and you decide what to do and you'd go and you get the fruit. And I found that um, the fruits and vegetables just had more of a aroma or flavor than in North America. And I don't know right. why. So, so that was really special or, or remembering being in Czechoslovakia and it was communist block, the communists mm -hmm. were in, in there and how different it was, you know, how we were surrounded by secret service because Milos had defected from Czechoslovakia. So, um, and I remember I had a, a driver and he would not talk. He was just, he would drive, but he was obviously, you know, secret KGB. But then gradually, gradually, I got him to defrost. I got him to have a couple, you know, a little bit of, and then he taught me a couple um, words of uh, uh, Czechoslovakia. And then, but then one day, you know, we were, there was uh, ice on the parking lot and we pretended we were skaters and then he was let go. And I never saw him again. And I felt really, really bad because I thought I got him fired because he, and I didn't realize, right? He showed his humanness to you. And yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, I didn't end up doing uh, Amadeus, but the time in Czechoslovakia where there was, it was winter and there was not much. So you would go, Tom Holtz and I, we would walk for a long way. We'd find like this, this, we'd find a, a menu this place is supposed to be good and let's go and we'd see the menu in a guidebook and we go our mouths watering they have a fresh green salad and we get there and we'd order the fresh green salad and then we get sauerkraut you know it was like pork and sauerkraut once in a while somebody might have chicken but it was pork and sauerkraut no matter how far you walk no matter what you even ask for right <laughs> yeah and i and i remember we were at this um the intercontinental hotel and they would make the bread i think it was might have been sunday night well it was one day so that monday the buns would be so soft and fluffy that you'd get the dinner rolls with your food and you'd eat them eat them but as the week went on they got harder and harder and harder 
And by the end of the week, you would need to dip them in a broth or something in order to break your teeth on them. So I knew to like <laughs> eat a lot of bread in the beginning, but we were starved for, um, we were starved for fresh fruits and vegetables. I bet. But then they sent us to Italy, to Rome, mm. to, to um, do our um, wardrobe fittings. And Tom and I just ate and ate like little piggies. We just, you know, there was blood oranges you could get on the street and kiwi fruits. And, and we just ate and Fabrizio would take us out for lunch and dinner. And they don't just have like one plate of something. It was like many, yeah. many plates of food and we eat it and we gained so much weight that the wardrobe guy was like, stop eating, stop eating. Because from one day to the next, our stomachs would expand more and more and more. And he's like, stop eating. But we couldn't, we were just like, Oh, we got to eat all this. And it's not sauerkraut and pork. Yeah, it's like, so, you know, That's it's like fun. you get memories of different things. I was in Denmark for um, when I was playing Carrion. And, you know, I, also, I obviously I remember places by lots of times the food I got to eat. So so there it's like, you know, I, I, I associate sauerkraut and pork. And we found a really good place that had a really delicious borscht in Prague where we walked across through the snow and um, it wasn't, it was still, you know, it was borscht, but it was so good. So we would go there a few times, okay. but you know, it, so in France, I think of the places like that we ate where we would go and have like the seafood place. So me, it's always food. It's all the and, food, yeah. Yeah. In are Denmark, good, at the, good we had cook? good, pardon? Do you like to cook? I love to cook. Okay. Well, no, no. I cooked a lot because I was a mom and with kids, you have to cook, right? Yeah. Um, so I cooked a lot and, and, but I love to eat is the thing. So when you cook a lot, then it's not like, oh, I love to cook. But now my kids are all gone and pandemic, I'm really grateful that I, I cook because we can make what we want to eat. So right. we've, I've actually become a much better cook during the pandemic because it's, if you feel like something, then you try to figure out a way to make it with whatever supplies whatever you've got them. yeah um so I love being able to cook what I want to eat but I don't I wouldn't say oh you know sometimes it's a good time because it's creative to cook but sometimes it's a chore because you're like oh I don't feel like it it seems so. like you would be a good cozy mystery writer because they always have good food in their in their uh in their books <laughs> that's what one of my tea timers had written and asked me so they said have you and I hadn't read cozy mystery cozy mysteries so I'm gonna look up a few because I do have I do like having yeah and then you life. can have like a whole cookbook and yeah <laughs> people want me to but I don't cook that way you know I just taste things and be like oh it needs a little of this or oh it needs a little of that and then put a little bit more in then mm, it needs my something. sister does that she yeah she can, yeah she can make the best with whatever and yeah like with whatever's in the fridge I can take it and be like oh and then it needs a little but I and so to I add a little of this or a little of that I've done a couple cooking ones but I only do like pure basic because my chili has maybe 40 items in it you know it's just like and I don't know the amounts until I taste it because I just bung things and in you and add or whatever. Yeah. Add and stir. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So of all these different places that you've, um, that you've traveled to, do you see writing books set in any of those places? Well, I've written books set in places that I actually haven't been. The Google, Google, like, 
you can do research on things, but you can also go to Google Maps and it like when with the runaway heiress, when I found the little town that she was in, then I was like, I tried to look for where it starts, where she lives. So you have to decide where they live. You look up, so you look, do research on different areas. And then I tried to think, okay, the how long, how many days would she run for, you know, when she's running. And I'd look on different things on the route to where she ended up and then find a little town. And then you can go in and you can find a town, like different towns and you can look and then walk down the streets, like with the arrow and looking around. So that really helped a lot. You can actually see. Yeah. And um, I guess, and I've traveled in so many different places, but the thing is, is that if you're writing contemporary, you really wanna be able to um, do justice to it or to be so, you know, part of you thinks, oh, people who live, but I guess why not? So anyway, the question, the answer is, I don't know. I mean, I've written people going to New York because I've been to New York or being in LA or being yeah. in Canada, but I make up places as well. But I hadn't been to Vegas in that way. I did a lot of research for the Vegas part, for those who have read it, for that part on, you know, and I went in and I'd go in and they have pictures. So you could look at pictures that people have, but you can also kind of look at the things and how does it all work so you get to travel a lot in your writing it's just yeah go down a rabbit hole really you know and then I saw pictures of oh who was that that actor who did uh I am a wolf or whatever not no from Moonstruck Nick, uh, Nick. I'm not sure oh she's Nick saying Page. she's okay. saying the name you guys know from Moonstruck the guy yeah 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 was, um, leaving Las Vegas Nick, Nicholas Cage, yeah. Nicholas Cage, Nick. I yeah. knew there was Nick there. I'm not yeah. sure who's, um, who's I don't know how I even got to that, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, that he got, I saw him get it because there were pictures of him getting married. So I was able to see how the booths are. And again, poor guy. <laughs> so um, somebody had asked if you could rewrite any project from your past, would you, what would you want to do? Well, I, I, I have a manuscript that I love that I started reworking um, because I never sent it out. But as I started reworking it to try to fit with the, the um, with what I know now, like every book you learn a little bit more about writing. Yeah. Um, so right now I'm like, is this the wrong move? Like that you never sent it out. Like, do you just, cause I was like, well, I could have an editor and, and put it out, but then, or send it out to my editors who had notes on it. And I was, I'm doing those, but then I'm like, or should you just say, I wrote it and I learned from it, like a relationship. Yeah. I get worried that, yeah. So there's a bunch I have. So right now I have several different manuscripts open on my desk and I'm trying to, I, I write on one and I've got a bunch of pages on one and another, but I haven't settled, which is really bad. I'm, I'm going through a period of like, whoa. And I think it's, I was chugging along. I think that, you know, having this new wave, it's like scattered me again. And yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. focus, but it's sort of like, you know, okay, we're starting to get out and we're going to be doing, and then it's like, whoa, slam whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. 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 And it, and it's been, um, this is how it was like at the beginning too, where it's like, okay, what do we, what do we have? So I'm writing to keep my writing 
my writing thing going, but I'm not sure. So I was reworking that and my tea timers know us like, yay. And I know it's right because I'm writing notes and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. (laughs) And now I'm like, hmm, but maybe I'm trying to shape an old boyfriend into what you need now. And it might be something different. And is it enough to have written many drafts? Like that one I've written over so many times. And I'm like, it's good enough that it's like, it's not the kind of book maybe that people read now the way it is now because it's an ensemble and people want more of a direct story because we have so many things distracting us right so they they maybe don't want all those points of view but when you take out those points of view that was why I wrote the book so have I revisited yes I've been revisiting right now and I'm like is this wise is this wise? Because I like what I wrote. I like how it's the different, how love is different. What people think is love is different for all these different women in different times of their life. But, you know, yeah, that's so. Uh, and then do I take out all these extra ones, these extra and just have this? It'd probably lose a lot though, wouldn't it? Huh? What? It would probably well, lose it a lot. loses all the... Yeah parts of all the points of the other okay so it's like points of view of what's going on from different points of view right which there these people are connected sort of in different ways but they all are seeing it different and that's what I wrote right so if I take it out just make it a relationship story that sounds interesting instead of the passing of time and the different you know so that's that's Mm -hmm. where I was like I was trying to do that and then I'm like, I don't know if I want to. And then I thought, maybe it's just good enough that I wrote it and I never put it out there because I don't know that people have the patience for that kind of mosaic of, you know. And I, yeah. I also think, you know, it's it's not, it's neither nor. My romantic suspense people might be like, where where's my romantic suspense? <laughs> <laughs> and, and my literary readers might be like, what? but it's, <laughs> it's pretty, everybody ends up, pretty you know in a better place than they were or a different place you know what I mean like they've come to some kind of peace and that's not that's not you end up like you know in the trenches and literary so exactly like, yeah every, you gotta, either you gotta be gut-wrenching <laughs> yeah right so I don't know what to do with that but anyway that's an interesting question because I'm struggling with that right now that, so that's um, interesting yeah have you ever written um a movie script yes Okay. Actually, a movie script that I, I wrote a movie script um, uh, several times over, and um, but they're making it, but not the one I did, because the person oh. who they got to direct it is also a writer, and so he rewrote it, so I won't be getting credit, or, well, but, you know, so first I was like, but then I thought, you know what, it wouldn't have been made if I hadn't done those drafts mm-hmm. of it, and and I got paid to do it twice, so you know, yeah. I have to just kind of let that go, but I find, and I've, I've sold, um, one of the Winnetka Road episodes I wrote, I sold, I've sold a bunch of maybe, I don't know, seven, eight scripts to, oh. um, movies, but they don't, here's the thing, you do it, and then they don't get made, but one of my ones that I did, like, I, there were scenes lifted out of Power Man, a, a movie, and put into a very, very successful action film, which I will not say, but like, where so much so that I wrote this for my little boy, and he nudged me when we watched this film, and he goes, 
mom, that's from Power Man. And then again, oh, mom, another one from Power Man. And he was so excited. And I was like, you know, but, uh, I won't say huh? which one, but, but it was disheartening to say the least because they didn't give mine a go, but entire scenes with the exact dialogue and exact things. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not as, I'm not as excited about doing, I've been asked to do some because I'm, you know, I've done it for so long, but yeah, yeah. My first book, Singing Songs, was sold and, and script was done, but it wasn't made into a movie. Um, Porcupine, my uh, my whatever YA book, that was okay. made into a script, but they don't. Most of them don't get made into movies. That's so curious, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I guess when they buy it, they can do whatever they want to with it, or they not. Can, yeah, and... they can do whatever they want. They can do whatever they want, and. Um, yeah huh I'm so curious I, I, you, you have to be willing to let it go out into the world and become whatever it is supposed to become right I mean well that's the thing that is heartbreaking about it is they mostly the majority of scripts don't go out into the world so yeah, the majority yeah. of scripts you'll write and then you rewrite it's not like okay so the process is different than in um in books in books every single time with my editors, they have made my book better. Yeah. Their questions and comments, and then you you do it, you address them, it makes the book better and it makes the book shine. And every single draft you do, because you do around, oh, you know, four yeah. you know, them after your drafts that you've done yourself, five sometimes, it makes it shine. But with a script, you get different executives and executives get, uh, sacked and other ones come on and every single time they just like kind of like well what about if we and they throw it out and you have to kind of start from ground zero so the script doesn't get better and better and better lots of times it can get writing by committee it gets worse and worse and sometimes happy i bet yeah the ones that get made you're like whoa that like that script is like i can't believe somebody greenlit it <laughs> so, yeah. So it, whereas a book, it always gets better. So even yeah. though I get paid much more for writing screenplays, I'd much rather write novels, which then anybody can go buy one of my books um, yeah. until they aren't, you know, for sale anymore, but anybody can, anybody can read them. So you spend all that time of your life. Like for me, it takes around, you know, now I've got to a year and a half. My first book took four years. My second took 10, you know, but I've luckily shortened that time frame. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, if I'm going to give up a year and a half of my life, for me, I'm in the lucky position that I don't have to do what gives me the most monetary, I right. can do what's going to be out there so that I can offer it to uh, people who want to read my books. That's fine. And people yeah. do, and that makes me really happy. Like, I feel so blessed. There you go. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Meg. Oh, this sure. is such a treat. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining me today on the Literary Escape Podcast. If you enjoy hearing the behind-the-book story, then join me in the Literary Escape Society. We are a community of travelers who love books, or maybe book lovers who love to travel. Either way, if you need an escape, a literary escape, come join us as we read our way around the world together, one book at a time. Check out the show notes to learn more about the Literary Escape Society. And we'll see you next time on the next episode.